Amazing Grace is a popular song. It's especially popular at um, funerals, but a number of years ago, um, there was a bar owner in town that told me that at about one o'clock in the morning, Amazing Grace is a very popular song in the bars. Bet you guys hadn't heard that before. I think it's popular for a number of reasons. It's because we all want that grace. We all need that grace. And some people may have to get numb a little bit before they can even begin to think about that grace being for them. But the problem is, is when we sing about amazing grace, I think a lot of times we miss the significance of God's grace. We've been talking about that, you know, uh, with what Hans taught a couple Sundays ago, with what I taught last Sunday. We miss the significance of God's grace simply because it seems like too much. I don't deserve it. You deserve it? But what I was thinking about at the funeral yesterday when they sang this song is how much we are willing to sing about it for ourselves, but that's where it stops. And the problem is, and maybe this is one of the problems with grace in the church, is is that it reaches a point of spiritual constipation. That grace is not extended to those around us, that the church can sometimes be just as judgmental, if not more so, of one another. I'm seeing a few heads nod. And, and the problem is, is grace is not meant to just be received, it's meant to pass through us. And, and um, <laughs> I was telling Jackie and Justin when we were praying that Last Sunday, I, I thought I was teaching a particular direction, and the Lord changed it up on me, and I was thankful that uh, he at least gave me a little bit more warning, because I thought I was still going back to that direction, and um, yesterday during the funeral, this scripture uh, is in 2 Corinthians 4-7, um, and it's... it's um, the scripture that says, I'm having to look for it here. Um, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And, there, and it goes on from there, and we'll read it, read it some more. But just over and over and over again, and I'm like, Lord, you know, I appreciate the fact that you're speaking this verse to me, but what's the point? And it really ties in with what I just said about His amazing grace. And so if you would with me, if, if you would turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, if you have your Bibles with you today. And 
And uh, I want to make just a few points as we read through this. 2 Corinthians 4. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. Paul's talking to the church in Corinth, and he says, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. We could probably just stop there for a moment and think about that. Therefore, since we have this ministry, this this ministry of grace, this ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ, since we have this ministry... As we have received his mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And Paul's making that point there, um, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully. And and what Paul was being accused of by the Jews is, you're using uh, the Jewishness, you're using our laws, you're you're misusing all of this stuff, you're using it to exploit people to try and turn them to this way. You know, because that's what they called it at that time, the way, you know, the sect. And and Paul's simply making a, a point about himself, since my shoe's coming untied, so I don't trip, take my shoes off because this is holy ground, right? Right, so, so Paul's making the point here, and it's good for us too, is that we don't want to handle the word of God deceitfully. We don't want to hide it, we, but we also don't want to use it to manipulate people to get to do what we want them to do. And I, I think of how many times the church has been guilty of doing that, manipulating the word to fit in so we can kind of exploit and get people to do what we want them to do. Case in point, there's so many things that I grew up with that were, you can't do this and be a Christian. But Jesus died for all my sins. And and I'm not saying that I want to continue living in sins, but I, I read something this morning that waiting to come to Christ until I get my life cleaned up is like me saying, I've got to stop this bleeding before I go to the ER. We come to Jesus as we are, not the way we wish we were, because he's the one that does the work, and and that's what we're going to get to here, but Let's not handle the word deceitfully. Let's not use it to manipulate people because there are all sorts of sinners. There's all sorts of examples of sin in our world and the people that are our friends, our neighbors, our family need to be delivered from those things. But they're not going to be delivered as long as we're putting up a roadblock and saying, you need to get cleaned up at least. You need to at least renounce that thing that you're bound by before you come to church. And I would say that's a load of... Attack from the enemy. Yeah, I don't know what you said, Pamela, but whatever it was, I agree. Okay. Because you knew what I wanted to say, right? But it goes on to say, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. 
And, and as, I, as I read that, i got to go back to that part there, is, is that the manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God, that is an unveiled gospel. That is a gospel going forth in reality, in full technicolor, if you will, that we are imperfect. Your pastor is not perfect. Now, you guys say that, but the reality is none of us are perfect, but at the same time, i got to tell you that oftentimes those in leadership are held to a higher standard. And scripturally, we are held to a higher standard before God. But I'm telling you guys, we need to be more understanding of each other. So there's something here that... that we don't want the gospel to be veiled. We want it to be wide open for people to see. But if the gospel it is, is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Now we're going to come back to that portion there in a moment. So lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your bondservants, for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of the darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And now we get to that portion that I wanted to but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. And, and we'll continue here in a minute, but I want to I go back to this concept of light. And I think some of you remember um, several months ago that I, I was using this, this analogy, this metaphor of light. And we ended up getting flashlights and, and we had flashlight Sunday, but the, the idea was is that the light has to shine into the darkness. And in, in here, Paul is saying something that's very, very important that we pick up, is the light of God illuminates the treasure. If, and if you guys are taking notes, and I don't often you know, say this, but I, I'm telling you guys, if, if there's some way for you to take a note on your phone if there's a way for you to put something in, down on paper, if you could take this quote and, and, and just write this down, the light of God illuminates the treasure. That we have an enemy of our souls that wants to keep that light from shining, and that's what it says there when we read there earlier, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. And he goes on to say, for we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your bondservants for Jesus' sake, and then he goes back to this theme again. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. What's that referring to? 
creation. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of the darkness, who has shown in our hearts, there's this, it's, it's looking back at a creative work, and it's again saying, this is a creative work. Salvation is a creative work. It's God shining the light of his creation to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. So the light of God illuminates the treasure. And help me remember to come back and read the rest of that portion of Scripture as as we need to. Uh, You know, and I, I I could try and play cat and mouse here with you and ask you what's the treasure, but I'm just going to go right into it and say your life is a treasure to God. Your life is a treasure to God. Well, Kenny, you don't know my life very well. It doesn't seem like it's a treasure. Your life is a treasure to God. He loves you. The light of Christ, all that he did for redemption's sake, speaks to illuminating how God views you as his treasure. He sent his only begotten son. He died for Elaine's sins, of which are many. He died for my sins, of which are many. Do you see how the light of Christ shines on Elaine's life and says, you are of infinite worth to me? You catch that? It blows me away when I start thinking about that, that that God is saying, Hunter, you are of infinite worth to me. You're not a passing fancy. You're not, I'm not going to friend zone you. Some of the young people know what I'm talking about, but we're talking about a girlfriend-boyfriend relationship, and they get friend zoned. I don't really want to, I don't want you as a boyfriend. I just want you as a friend. And, and I'm so thankful that God doesn't friend zone us. He wants to be intimate with us. He wants to have that relationship with us. Deep, understanding relationship that, that is illuminated in Christ. Is this making sense to you today? And then when we look at the glory of God, there's this light of God illuminating the treasure, but there's also this word glory, and and we really don't relate to glory very well. And so I want to talk to you guys a little bit about that because the glory of God speaks to the value of the treasure. So if if we could see it this way, that the light of Christ shines a light, and and I'm picking on Elaine because she's up here today, you know, (laughs) if, if we could see it as there's this divine spotlight shining down on Elaine and saying, you are of infinite treasure to me, if you guys could see that happening to yourself right now, that then there's this, the glory of God then speaks to the value of that treasure. And what do I mean by that? Honor speaks of the weight. In fact, that word glory means weight. And that's where I always, I just, I have to, I have to stop and just like, Lord, that just blows my mind because glory and weight just, just don't seem to go hand in hand for me. 
yesterday at Candace's memorial service, there were several powerful parts of the service. One was in the number of people who were there that I'm going to say easily was uh, 300 people there for her memorial service. There were words spoken, there were songs sung, there were just moments of reflection on her life that were really powerful. But I'll, I'll tell you guys, um, the thing that really got to me was the actions of the military honor guard that was there because Candace uh, had served in the military as a linguist um, in the Arabic language. And so as, as uh, relates to someone that's been a, a veteran, they receive uh, military honor at their memorial or their funeral. The silence as they went through the unfolding and folding of the flag and the presentation to Candace's husband was, uh, I'm breaking up right now thinking about it. Two men, fully dressed in their dress uniforms, and they are there to, to do one thing, and that's to honor. And I'm telling that story because it's the weightiness of glory is the honor God gives us in that it's not his will that any should perish. So the light illuminates the treasure, but the glory shows the weightiness of the value. And, and, and one is... is his value of Elaine's life is infinite, but the value for Tommy is infinite. And this is where the glory starts showing up, is God says, you all are so valuable to me that I give my honor, my glory to you. And, and I hope I'm communicating this well so that you guys understand. The light illuminates, here's the treasure, but the glory shows how much it's worth. God's honor, his glory, the weightiness of his value of us is not, this is so important for you guys to get, oh my goodness. So much of how we honor is in retrospect. It's after the fact. We say things that we wish we would have said. Kimberly, I know what I'm saying right now is, is striking a chord with something you're thinking of doing. And that's, as we listen to all of the things, as we watch the video and, and all of the stuff up there, I was thinking, man, it's all so good. 
And it's also true, and it's, 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 it's a blessing to be a part of. But at the same time, last night, as I was going over this, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the weightiness of his value of us is never in retrospect. It's always forward thinking. He's not telling you, hey, I loved you after you died. He's telling you he loves you while you're living. While you were still sinners, Christ died. He didn't wait till, you, till we all had it together. So when we look at this, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. There's a possibility of being distracted by the earthiness of the vessel. You guys ever have that happen? I remember meeting probably the first multimillionaire that I ever met when I was a young man. The problem was he didn't look like a multimillionaire. Didn't look like what I imagined a multimillionaire would look like. He didn't look like what TV showed young, young kids, what a multimillionaire should look like. He probably looked a little bit more like Jed Clampett on the Beverly Hillbillies. But the difference was is this guy didn't live in a mansion. He probably lived in a house very similar to what we all live in. He wore bib overalls. He drove an old beat-up pickup. He was pretty scruffy looking. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. And i got to tell you guys, the vessel may not be impressive, but the contents are priceless. And to be honest, I believe God values the unredeemed vessels and has given his glory for them as well. As we were sitting in the VFW for the, I don't know, I don't know what, what to call it anymore, um, it's kind of a reception after the memorial service. We all went to the VFW. And um, I'm just looking around at all the people, people watching. Some of you like people watching, don't you? And I'm just struck by God saying, I love that one. I love that man. I love that woman. God values the unredeemed vessels and has given his glory for them as well. He puts an honor on them, and I already referred to this verse, but it's Romans 5, 8, and 9. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. And so... I'm starting to close, but don't get your hopes up right now, okay? Because I want to ask you guys some questions, and, and they're kind of rhetorical questions. I'm not necessarily expecting you guys to come up with an answer, but I want to ask these. How do we illuminate that treasure? 
How do we impart the glory of Jesus Christ on that treasure? Do we only do so in retrospect, or do we look ahead and, and, and I'm going to give you guys an example of something that happened, and, and you may wind up listening to some of this again, because this is, this is one of those things that I think is, that bears repetition right now for the church. But I'm going to give you an example. Connie and I were in uh, Cedar City, Utah, on the way back from Las Vegas a few week, or a couple weeks ago, or whatever, however long ago it was. It seems like it was forever ago, but it wasn't. We were on our way back, and we spent the night in Cedar City, Utah. And the next morning, we get up. Connie makes it out of the door, and she's walking down the hallway ahead of me a little bit. And I could see down the hallway, we were all the way at one end, and we had to walk all the way to the other end to catch the elevator down. And Connie's quite a ways down there, and I don't know. I must have been having problems shutting the door or something. I don't know. Because usually we're right behind each other or, or right alongside of each other. And I look down and I see the, the maid is getting ready to go in and clean one of the rooms down there. And I hear the exchange between Connie and her, very warm greeting of, of two strangers. Good morning. Good morning. And, and I arrive on the scene long enough after that whole exchange has happened that I don't feel like I should be saying good morning. And all I see is the maid start to go into the room and she looks over at me and she gives me a big, big smile. And I smile back at her and immediately after that, I don't know why in the world this breaks me up. Immediately after that, I said, God, I'm thankful for people who like to clean. I'm thankful that you put it on people's hearts to not only clean, but I was just struck by the fact that that, that lady just seemed to be, it, it was as if, and, and I hope you guys understand, I'm not trying to embellish this, it's just, it was one of those things in an instant of time, you just caught something there that you realized this is significant because this lady is doing something that she loves and she loves the fact because I don't know if you guys have been in hotels where the, where the maids or the house cleaners look at you as if, man, I wish you wouldn't have come because then I wouldn't have to clean a room. You know, but this lady's like, man, you know, her eyes spoke of, man, I'm so glad you guys are spending money in my town right now because I need the job and I love cleaning. You know, that's just the way I walked away from that. I know that's weird, okay? But that's the way I walked away from that exchange, and I just thought, God, thank you for people who like to clean. And here's why I'm telling you guys that story, is we have this treasure in earthen vessels, and some unredeemed people, I don't know if that lady knew Jesus or not, I'd like to think she does, but... It doesn't matter if you're redeemed or not. There is a certain amount of treasure that is within you because God put something in you, something of his creative life that he put in you. And one of the things that I remember, one of the hardest uh, memorial services that I ever had to do not long after we moved here to Cody was for a man who died ice fishing 
He died ice fishing, and he had gotten out, but he went back in for his friend. And at that memorial service, I talked about the fact that that is a reflection of God's image in that man that many people would have said he's not saved. And I don't know if he's saved or not, but I'm going to tell you something. He reflected something of the treasure of God in that moment to go back in to try and save his friend, and ended up they both died. Are you guys catching this? We cannot, as Christians, always look in retrospect to value the treasure that is in people because it's calling out that treasure in which I think people will be more likely to meet Jesus. Is this making sense? So if, if I look at Riley, I'll, I'll, I picked on him last week. You get it again this week, Riley. <clears throat> i got to get as much in as I can before soccer season starts. <laughs> but, you know, if I look at Riley, and, and I've, if I'm going to call out some things and say, you know, Riley, one of the things I'm thankful for is that you love your family. I love how much you invest in your family and that you work hard. You don't necessarily work at a glamorous job, but there's a whole lot of people in town that are sure grateful that you're delivering Coca-Cola products. And you love what you do. And that's the thing. I mean, you serve people, and, and you can say, well, that's just a delivery position. Well, that's what Nick does. He's a delivery guy, but here's, here's what is at it. At the heart of that, I'm going to tell you guys both, there is a heart of service, and that's a reflection of how God wired you because God loves service so much that Jesus is found where? Among servants. And I, I'd love to take the time to just go around each one of you and just say, this is what I see in you. And, and it'd be a little bit more challenging for people that I don't know. But I believe the Holy Spirit would probably give me something that would be accurate. But here's, here's the thing. How can we become the people that do that, not in retrospect, but look at people and begin to value them on a daily basis? <laughs> so much of the time, I feel my, like my earthiness is noticed more than the treasure I contain. Here's, here's the... The thing, though, you guys, we are called to help one another become more like Jesus. If you want the scripture uh, reference for what I just said, read Ephesians, but especially chapter 3 and chapter 4, till we all reach that point of being like Jesus Christ. Intolerance for the process can get in the way. That Linda, you know, if she would just... Get her act together. I don't know. She calls herself a Christian, but I don't know. And for those of you who don't know, that's my sister. So I know she knows I'm just playing. Okay, so when, when we talk about this, intolerance for the process can get in the way. And that's where people get burned. Not just... In our church, it's where people get burned in the church as a whole because we're intolerant 
of people. We're intolerant of sinners. We're intolerant. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about we're going to turn our, our face away and not face sin. We need to face our sin. Jesus paid the price for our sin. So we need to look at that, but realize that people are, are going to get more like Jesus, sometimes slower than we want them to be. Sometimes your pastor is going to go through things that you're going to say, man, does that guy even have a clue? And I would just say, could you focus on something good that's going on? Our failures, our disappointments can distract from the treasure. Our failures, disappointments can, can distract from the glory, the weight of value that God puts on us. Let's face it, some people are too slow, they don't want to move on, or maybe struggling with things we don't understand. How do we respond to those folks? How do we better illuminate that treasure? And I would suggest to you guys, it's where we begin to say, Lord, help me to give thanks. Because if I had a moment in time to be able to go back to Cedar City, Utah, I would love to go back and, and say to that lady, thank you that you love to clean. It shows. The room we were in was not the most updated room, but I tell you one thing, you guys, it was amazingly clean. I felt bad for her because some of the, in some of the room there, it was really like falling apart. It was one of those where it's like, uh, the owner needs to do some things to help the maid. Because this is beyond her pay grade to be able to do. It's beyond her skill set. But the room was clean as much as she could do with that. And can we begin, begin to be a people who on a daily basis we're looking for something good to say? So I know I asked this question, how can we better illuminate the treasure? How can we impart the glory? How can we prepare our hearts to receive from one who isn't quite who we expected God to use? You guys ever notice that? God sometimes uses people that don't fit into our plan. I still, I still remember somebody saying to me, in the early years of youth ministry, you really don't look like a youth pastor. I didn't know what a youth pastor was supposed to look like. And, and I know that they were trying to wrap their mind around the fact that God was using me in ways that I didn't understand or comprehend. And he was having a hard time with it. And I think if we're honest... We all have problems at times receiving from those that don't quite fit into our expectations. There are people in this town that need to be thanked. There are people in this town that need to be valued for their treasure. They are not in retrospect, but right now. Forward thinking like our God who thinks that way. Can you do that? You might need Jesus. Dave. And that is what we're supposed to be doing, looking for a way to build up, not tear down. Amen?
Thank you, Lord. God, thank you for your, your word that instructs us. Thank you, Lord, that um, <laughs> in your amazing wisdom, in your amazing mercy, in your amazing grace, Lord, that you put infinite value in these earthen vessels. And Lord, as I said about amazing grace, we're not meant to just contain the treasure. We're meant to pass on the treasure. We're not meant to contain the glory. We're meant to pass on the glory. That the weight of the value that you place on the treasure of individuals, Lord, would be communicated through your church. And so, Lord, I'm just thankful that you've commissioned all of us. You didn't just commission me. You've commissioned all of us. And so I pray that today, in this coming week, Lord, we would look for an opportunity to not only receive something from you, but then know who to give it to. And Lord, maybe even risk being wrong. That maybe we'd give something away that that person wouldn't even understand why we're saying it to them. But Lord, trusting in you anyway. That Lord, you cause all things to work together for good. <laughs> You cause all things to work to good, together for good to those who are the called according to your purpose. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the hope of that, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to participate with you in illuminating the treasure and giving understanding of the weight of your glory the weight of the value that you put on people. Thank you, Lord. Amen.